Amen. How many of you ready for the word this morning? Amen. Amen. You got to tell your neighbor, say, you got to love the word. Say, you got to love to pray. Got to love to worship. Got to love the word. Got to love to obey. You do them four things right there, you'll be victorious. Got to love to pray. Yep. Got to love to pray. Got to love to worship. Got to love to worship. How you know whether you're worshiping or not? If you started out sad and you come out sad, you weren't worshiping. You just singing. If you, if you went in mad and you come out mad, you weren't worshiping. You were just singing. Worship is about having an encounter with God. So you got to love to pray. Got to love to worship. Got to love to word. Got to love to obey. Those are things that will produce victory in your life. We've been talking about um, supernatural, how to get supernatural breakthrough in our life through prayer. Amen. How many of you know that God wants to do something great in your life? Yeah, y'all don't really sound convinced. I don't know, like, have I, did I just meet you people? Like, <laughs> just meet y'all. We, we go to church at Fellowship of Champions. We expect to win. So how many of you believe that God wants to do something supernatural in your life? Amen. Amen. And so we're, we're talking about, we've been talking about these things. And last week we talked about how important it was to stay hungry, how important it is to stay hungry. The reality of it is, is that you can't stay hungry for God if you fill up on everything else. You, you just not. You're not going to stay. Just like this, you're not going to be hungry for vegetables if you only eat sweets. You just won't. You're just not. And the reason it's so difficult for some of you to eat vegetables is because you eat so much junk. But if you stripped away the junk, you love vegetables. And the reason that it's so difficult for some of you to enjoy the Lord and to grow in the Lord is because you got so much other junk in your life. And if you strip away the junk, you find that you love the Lord. Amen. And so we've been talking about this because we want to be a church with power. Somebody say power. 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 Listen, I don't so, you know, I don't really know exactly. I got a bunch of scriptures on the page. I don't know which ones I'm going to talk about. Let the Lord lead me. But I'm, here's what I really want to challenge you about something. I want to challenge you about your position as a believer. I want to challenge you about how it is you are choosing to live. You know, the Bible tells us, it says that those who believe, they should do greater works. And, and, and what I am concerned about is that I feel like the reason people don't go off after greater works is because nobody's saying to them that they should do greater works. Like the reality of it is, is that if somebody is sick, it's your responsibility to pray. But the reality of it is in your own life, if when you get a headache, the first thing you do is think to take something, you're never going to be a person who releases prayer. Listen, I'm not anti-medicine. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when you have trouble, what's your first response? Because that lets you know what your source is. When you have trouble, what's your first response? When your head hurt, when your stomach hurt, when it seems like the allergies are flaring up, what's your first response? Because your first response is what you depend on. And so we cannot operate in supernatural power if our first response is something other than God. And so, you know, um, those of you who follow me on Facebook, so you know how on Facebook, or you, if you're on Facebook, you know how you can see your memories. And so I was looking at my memories, and two years ago today, me and the girls were in the park. And at that time, they were in the second grade and the third grade. And they, they were in the park, and they were, they were playing with a bunch of kids. And there were a bunch of moms from our school. And one of the moms was saying how she couldn't sit down because her back was hurting. And so I asked her, could I pray for her? And then she could, you could tell she was a little leery about people praying for her. And so then I said to her, I said, could my girls pray for you? 
Because most people now go turn down little kid. They don't think anything. And then she's like, sure, your girls can play. So I called them off. Of the, they were on the slide. I called them off. And I said, hey, Miss Z hurt her back. Can you do something about it? And they said, sure, turn around. And they laid hands on her. And they said, we command your back to work in Jesus' name. And we knew that it worked because she started crying. And she bent over, and she was like, what happened? And Jordan says, Jesus heals, and skips off back to the thing. She don't even hang around. She don't even hang around. And so then her son falls down, and then, she, and then her son um, lets us pray for him too. Jordan came and prayed for him again, and he says, oh, my God, my head doesn't hurt anymore. And this, and this is, now these are Christians we're talking about. So he says, oh, my God, my head doesn't hurt anymore. And she goes, are you lying? He's like, I just got healed. Like, because our reality of it is that we live in a reality that if you want to get healed, you got to go to the doctor. But that's not what the Bible says. Well, who's going to stare it up? You and I, because we have the same spirit that lived in Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you. You don't have Holy Ghost Junior. You have the same spirit. Well, the reason the same spirit isn't working is because you don't work him. You don't ask God to do something supernatural in me. And some of it is, is because we haven't fully embraced Matthew 6 and 33 that says, if we seek ye first the kingdom of God, all these things would be added unto us. So in reality, I don't notice that someone is struggling with depression and buying the spirit of depression because I'm too concerned about how I'm going to get my next promotion. Because my confessions are not filled with the things that Jesus cares about. My confessions are filled with my goal list that will let me feel successful. And that's not how we want to live. Tell your neighbor, say, you can be successful and supernatural. I'm not saying you have to exchange them, but I'm saying that if you had to, you ought to pick supernatural. If you had to pick between, if you had to, not that you do, if you had to pick between laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover and being the top, in your company, you ought to pick laying hands on the sick because that's the work Jesus has called us to. That's the work Jesus has called us to. And the challenge for us is this. Praise God. Listen, there was some great revelation released. There was a lot of revelation released over the last 20 years about how God wants you to prosper. And the reason that he had to do that is because there had been so much teaching about how God wanted you in poverty. But it's not the whole teaching. Yes, God wants you to prosper. But understand, there are some things money can't fix. There are some things. And so here's how you can determine, like, what your heart is really focused on and what you're really caring if you're really carrying kingdom presence. You know, um, when you see somebody who's injured, if you just feel sorry or if you feel like you ought to do something. Because the truth of it is, is we feel sorry for people. And, when someone, and, 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 and if you got to judge yourself. The Bible says judge yourself so you won't. So you won't be judged, so you know yourself. So like when someone's sick or like when someone says, pray for me, what do you do? Do you pray right then? And do you pray with the expectation? Because the thing I learned from Jordan and Canaan that day is that Jordan and Canaan fully expected if they got off their park toy to come over there and pray for somebody about their back, they expected her back to respond. And have you become such a grown-up that you don't have any godly supernatural expectation? Are you so logical and so grown up now that you don't have any godly expectation? 
That's what we're talking about. So we're talking about this concept, this thing I'm going to talk to you. Um, let's look at Isaiah 61 through 2. I, I, I just want to, because listen here, here's what kind of church we're going to be. We're going to be the kind of church that if you need your resume fixed, we can help that. But we're going to be the kind of church that sickness attack your body, we can do something about that too. We want to be intelligent and spirit-filled. We want to know when it's time to come in here and, take a, and, and do a message that's going to require us to take three pages of notes or when it's time for us to come in here and pray until something on your life break. We want to be it all because that's what the kingdom should be. It should be it all. The reality of it is, is that we should all be so in tune with the spirit that literally if somebody came in here and they were depressed, we should be like, I bet they won't leave like that. I bet they won't leave like that because I bet they will. See, something has to happen that you have to get um, worked up. I, they don't know what's wrong with the sound. Just work through it. And some churches, they ain't handle sound. Some of the church y'all grew up in, they had that one little mic, and the, mic, the thing was underneath the pulpit. You all right? You all right? So, 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 you know, I was thinking about this. You have to begin to get aggravated when darkness is encroaching. You ain't aggravated by darkness encroaching yet. There has to begin to be something on the inside of you, the God on the inside of you that begins to be like, did you? Is that what you want to do? But see, the reality of it is, is that too many believers, you scatter the devil. Or you're in denial about his existence. But the Bible says that greater is he that lives on the inside of us than he that's in the world. And being neutral toward the devil don't make him not attack you. For those of you who are trying to live in the neutral zone, if he don't bother me, I ain't going to bother him. That ain't really how this works. If you don't bother him, he going to destroy you. Yeah. So, anyway, let me tell you this story, kind of how I got worked up. I got a lot of stuff I want to say today. But, so, anyway, there's this little girl. I met this little girl. She's like five years old. And she um, has a limp, and she has, um, she holds her arm. She can't, she doesn't have full motion of her arm. And so um, her mom was talking to me about what happened to her, and basically somebody abused her. And so at three, two or three, she had a stroke, right? And so, and so that's why, so she's living with this. And so I was thinking this, so here's the natural carnal reaction, because I'm just trying to help you understand where we are. The natural carnal reaction is that we want to beat up whoever did that to her. But in reality, whoever did that to her was the devil. And so even if we beat up whoever did that to her, that wouldn't free her. So the reality of it is, is that when we see people who have been impacted like that, we should begin to be like, Lord, we need to be the vessel because we need to fix this. So anyway, I was holding this little girl, and she just kept coming to me. And every time she would come to me, I'd just pray for her. I'd just be like, just under my breath, we'd be laughing and talking about other stuff. And I'd be like, I command that arm to release out. I command that foot to stretch out. This is not the will of God for your life. And so later on, I told her mom, like a couple of days later, we were talking. She was like, oh, she really liked you. I said, oh, I really liked her too. She should come hang out with me more. And, and I said to her, I said, I was praying as I held her. And she began to weep, and she said, nobody's ever done that. How you go to church every Sunday? If somebody watch your baby with an arm laid, and don't nobody say, this ain't right. I'm telling you, you're called to be the people to say, this ain't right. 
So if I got to live a little differently, if I can't watch everything that everybody else watch, if I can't go everywhere that everybody else go, if drinking is permissible, but I shouldn't drink because in order to be the hostess anointing properly, whatever you need me to do, it's my responsibility to push back darkness. Let's look at Isaiah 60 because I want to get you stared up. I want you to get some boldness. Here's the reality. First of all, we don't heal, but God don't heal if we don't move. We don't heal, but he doesn't heal if we don't move. God, we need you to do something. Get up, lay hands. Get up, bind the devil. It says, arise and shine for the glory of the Lord, for the light, thy light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Listen, God, the glory is not just some sunshine field thing. It is the power of God to produce change. It is the power of God to produce change. It says, arise and shine. We're supposed to be light in darkness. Not, this ain't just about being moral. It's a lot of people who don't know Jesus who moral. More, it's a lot of people who don't know Jesus who do the right thing, who feed the homeless. We are called to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. The Bible says, and they shall recover. He says, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Um, in one translation, in the message translation, it says, put, get, get out of bed and put your face in the sunlight. Like, quit laying around and get a revelation of who you really are in God. Get a revelation that you really are a walking around as a power keg with the ability to release the power of God into situations. Why? It says, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth. So it says, don't be moved because things look bad. Because you carry the power source to change bad. It says, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But what? But what? The Lord shall do what? Upon who? Who is thee? Me. Us. So it says, when you see darkness, it's kind of like um, Superman and Batman. They just walk around as mortals until darkness show up. And then when darkness show up, they put on a suit and they come out and they deal with darkness. That is, should be our job. When we, we, we're, we're, God is not looking for a group of people who hide until he come back. Every time something happens, oh, Lord Jesus, come quickly. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he, is not come, he has come back for a church without spot or blemish. It is a powerful church. It is a church that knows their authority and their identity. Wherever you are stationed in life, whatever job you have, whatever neighborhood you live in, wherever school you in, whatever dorm room you in, whatever apartment complex in, you ought to be handling the darkness there. Yes. Yes. Whether we like it or not, that is our assignment. We walk into our jobs, we can feel the spirit of heaviness, we ought to say, not today. That don't want to get to happen up here. We release the presence and the peace of God. Thank you, ma'am. We release the presence and the peace of God to go forth in this place. But if you don't understand that you are a carrier of the presence of God, and here's the other reason people live in any kind of way, because you don't recognize that you carry the presence of God. Because if you, carry, if you recognize that you carry the presence of God, you wouldn't just live, say, and do anything. Ooh, 
Amen. Oh, but I feel like cursing, but you a mouthpiece of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost curse? The Holy Ghost curse? He cursed? Thank you. Nope. He had enough power to save you, but not to save your mouth? Well, now, this is the season for destiny. It is the season for you to rise up and to be everything that you are called to be. It is the season for you to rise up and for no, to know who God has created you to be. But the reality of it is, and it's laugh because I said to Kenosha and to Chris and to Tamara this week, because I talked to them a lot, I said, I used to say years ago that it really do take all that. It really do take all that, and people would always go, no, it really don't take all that. But the people I know who say it don't take all that, they don't pray for the sick and see them recover. It really does take all that. It really does take reading your Bible. It really does take praying when you don't really want to pray. It really does take worshiping. It really does take the boldness of God to go into situations and to see them wrong and to do something about it. You know, one of the things that really frustrates me is that here's the thing, and, and it, you just bear with me, right? So we are so angry and offended by the homosexual community. Well, if you really believe that it was something they could be free from, why don't you carry the power to free them? Why are you asking people to be free? You, you think it, you, or because, oh, I know, it's just easier to say how wrong it is. That's okay. You ain't got to help me because I know that this is the truth right here. You ain't got to help me. So what we do is we see people that are trapped in sin. We see people that struggle with alcoholism. We see people that struggle with drugs. We see people who have all types of addiction. And what we do is we condemn, but we don't bring any power. What Jesus said to the woman was, after he kept her from being stoned, he said, now that I freed you, go and sin no more. He didn't say stop singing until he brought the freedom. So, this is a season for destiny. Let's go to 1 Chronicles 12 and 32. Are you learning anything today? Really, here's the thing. I don't care if you learn so much as much as I hope you catch something. I hope you catch that we're not called to live like everybody else. And I hope that, if you, that you catch that if you're going to live as a radical believer, you can't live like everybody else. You got to have some bold expectations. See, here's what I found out. Like, the truth of it is, is that a lot of people who we first started praying for healing and stuff, people thought we was crazy until folks got healed. And then what I found out is that some of those same people who mocked us start asking us to pray for them. So some of it has got to be is that you got to care more about pleasing God than your own agenda. I was listening to this because I love to listen to testimonies. And so I was listening to this testimony of this guy the other day. How many of you have to be on conference calls in your job? So this guy said he was on a conference call. And while he was on the conference call, this lady was talking about how this was going to be her last day at work because she had to have back surgery. And he said that the Lord just started dealing with him about how he didn't want her to have that back surgery. He could heal her on the phone. She was like, he was like, God, it's like hundreds of people on this call. And he was like, Lord. What do you want me to do? He said, I want you to pray for her. And so she on the call. You know them conference calls, right? Can you imagine that? Now come on, see, now you get to judge yourself. Now on so he says, so he says, excuse me, this is probably gonna seem a little crazy, but I was wondering if you would be okay if I prayed with you before 
the call. And she said, sure, I'd appreciate, I would really appreciate if you prayed for me. And he began to pray because there's a difference between praying with expectation and praying with some hope that something might maybe happen. And so he began to pray and he began to speak to her back and speak to her spine and speak to her vertebrae and speak to everything to line up. And she, so he said when he got through praying, like nobody was saying anything. And she said, oh, my back don't hurt no more. She goes back to the doctor the next day for surgery. They say, ain't nothing wrong with your back. What happened to you? I'm just asking, that job that you prayed for, could God really use you in that place? Or, you know, it's your reputation and what do people think about you? Ah. Uh, see, you got to know yourself. And here's the reality. I'm not trying to tell you that I get it right every time. There are times I'm in Walmart, the Lord say pray for somebody, I hit a home run. Yes, I can do this. I can walk up to and pray. Other times the Lord say pray for somebody, I be like, not today. But in reality, you got to first have a heart to do it to even hear him say do it. And then you at least got to admit and say, okay, all right, I'm really scared. Or I'm really whatever. I'm really whatever. You got to get to the point where you practice obedience. Well, I prayed for people and nothing happened. Well, the first time you walked, you didn't walk, but you got up and tried it again, right? Yeah. What did I tell you I go? First one. It says, in all of these, because I'm talking about discerning the times. It says, in all of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, and the heads of them were about 200, and their brethren were at their commandment. It says, so we want to have the spirit of discernment that we know what to do. We want to carry the wisdom so that when we're talking to somebody, if we need to pray for them, if we need to send them to a counselor, if we need to buy them, like we want to know what to do. We want to discern the times. And sometimes we can't discern the times because we have already decided what something means. How many of you got people on social media that you don't even read their Facebook posts no more because you like, they always so negative. Oh, they always so negative. Unfollow, unfriend, block. So I'm just curious if all the Christians take their light and go away, what's supposed to happen? You go pack your little light up, you go go over there because you'll be like, you know what? <laughs> I ain't got time to deal with you. Like, did it ever occur to you? Did you ever? I know it get on your nerves when you read it. But did you ever ask God if maybe there was something you should do? Did you ever ask God if you should reach out, if you should pray? Or did you just go, girl, that get on my nerves. I ain't got time to be reading about her negativity every single day. All right, I know you did. Repent, do better. All right, <laughs> let's do better. I'm talking about living from this place because sometimes the people in your life that seem to be the most irritating to you, God wants to use you to bring them into freedom. And let me ask you this. What if when you was in bondage, people said you got on their nerves too much to help you? Because you know you weren't always this. For those of you who I've pastored for a while, trust me, you weren't always this. You weren't always this. And I wasn't always this. What, what if somebody had not been willing to walk through with me, to, to, to talk to me about the way that I was thinking that I was wrong, to deal with me even when I was stubborn? What if somebody hadn't been willing to do that for me? Will we be here with us doing this today? And what if somebody had been willing to do that to you? So why have we developed a mentality that it's all about you getting free, but you have no responsibility to deal with anybody who irritates you? 
Maybe you're so irritable because you're not developed in love because the Bible says love not easily irritated. Yep, that's what the Bible say. So maybe if you easily irritate it, you need to work on your love walk. I'm just trying to help us today. This is a season where God wants to do something great in your life, and it's more than stuff. Even if God wants to bring you into a new neighborhood, what's the purpose? It ain't just for you to live in that house. Do you pray for your neighbors? Listen, they mess around. Somebody started robbing um, packages in our neighborhood around Christmas time. So the first year, I was like, I don't know about nobody else's property. First year, because it was about me, right? I said, don't come across this line. Now, who are you talking to? Powers, principalities, because people steal because the devil influenced them to steal the way you do the right thing because the Lord influenced you. Okay? So, no, neighbors all around us. Then the Chris, everybody around us had a package though. Not my house. Then the Lord said, the next year he said, can you not pray for the whole neighborhood? It never even occurred to me to pray for the whole neighborhood. And the reality of it is, is that most of us are so consumed with ourselves. We say, Lord, let me pass the test. We don't say, Lord, let everybody in here pass the test. Because everybody in this class, Lord Jesus, they, 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 they need to pass the test. You know what I'm saying? You say, let my department meet their goal. And you only care about the rest of the company if their bonus, if their production impacts your bonus. If it don't impact your bonus, you ain't never even thought about those people over there with their product. Can God trust you to be a person who cares enough to care about the kingdom, to care more than about yourself? I mean, like, have you ever thought about just asking the Lord to increase you so you could be a blessing to somebody else? I know you ask the Lord to increase you when you want to go on vacation. And I know you ask the Lord to increase you because it's Christmas time coming. You got all this stuff you want to give for people you love. But have you ever just said, you know what, Lord, I wish that you would bless me with $500 and I would give it to whoever you say it. <laughs> Amen. I'm just trying to ask you about yourself. Because when we can admit these things, we can position ourselves for God to do something great in our life. Is it our reputation, our selfishness, our identity? Like, what is the most important thing? Is the most important thing to reflect God and honor him? Or is the most important thing to be a pretty good moral person as long as God don't ask me to do something to make me too uncomfortable? That's what I want. You know, listen, I really want to live for the Lord. Don't be talking to me about no mission trip. I ain't going on no mission trip. I'm not going to no foreign country. So the Lord's tell you he wants you to go to a foreign country. What you do is you just give a check to somebody going to a foreign country. That's not what he asked you to do. He told you to go to a foreign country. He told you, go see the elderly. You go, I, I, don't, I don't really do old people. You know you're going to be an old people one day, right? You know you're going to be an old people. If you don't die, you're going to be an old people. Them the only two choices, right? You either keep living and get old or you die, right? I don't want all them kids over my house. Ooh. I don't want all them kids over my house. What if those kids, your house is the only place they would ever encounter the presence of the Lord? What if they don't interact with you? You don't know where they'll be. But you know what? I don't want them eating up all my food. Because you know that food is more important than their destiny and their soul. I know. Thank you. Thank you, boo. 
I'm just trying to help you because I'm, now let's go to John 15. Why? Why is this so important? Why is this so important? Because here's what they, is that people think about their own sacrifice, but like people rarely think about the sacrifice of other people. So, for example, because it's pastor's appreciation mode, not just me, but like in reality, every pastor that's ever impacted your life ought to hear from you this month. Every pastor that's ever impacted your life ought to hear from you this month. Because in reality, the truth of it is, is let me help you, is that it's a lot easier work to do than to try to pastor God people. It's a lot easier work to do than to try to pastor God people. Because God people, if you tell them that God go bless them, they receive it. If you tell them they need to change, they reject it. And you. Now, when you tell them they go be blessed, you as a prophet from on high. When you tell them that they need to quit fornicating, then the Lord done called you to move somewhere else. I'm just telling you that don't believe the hype. Most people who in ministry is not in ministry trying to make a hustle because it's a much faster, easier hustle. The truth of it is is that running from the police is easier than dealing with church folks. Because at least on the streets it's a code of loyalty. John 15, ha, John 15. I'm just trying to tell you. So every pastor has been a blessing to you, you ought to go get a card, a gift card, and you ought to show some appreciation because you wouldn't be where you were if they hadn't made their sacrifice. And in reality, you don't know how many hours pastors have stayed up praying for you, interceding for you, believing God for you, fasting for you. The reality of it is we don't really want to fast that much. We want to eat chicken too. That's what we want to do. You're eating chicken. We fasting. We're, eat, we're fasting for you. We want to eat chicken too. And cake. And cherry Dr. Pepper. Two. 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 Listen, I'm, tr- I'm trying to help you because I'm trying to get you to understand that if you're going to live for the Lord, there has to be something sacrificial about you. There has to be something sacrificial about you. Your mama, your brother, they've been struggling for years. You ain't got one day a week you could fast for them. They, your family been in bondage since before you was born. And now all you can say is, I guess they want to be like that. If the Lord hadn't helped you, you'd be that way too. You ain't that smart. You ain't that bright. You're not that talented. The Lord brought you out. And the Lord brought you out to reach back. And say, you know what, I may not even be to tell you that I'm praying for you right now, but you know what, I dedicated a day because my family not going to stay bail. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just the truth. Like, listen, this ain't really one of those let's take a bunch of notes. This is a bunch of let's take a bunch of reflection. It's take a bunch of reflection. You got people in your life that's bound. Some of your best friends bound. How many nights you stay up praying and declaring? How many nights do you stay up believing God for them saying this is not the end of their life? Even if you think you go into the pit, not on my watch. I got you covered, man. Is that not what the body of Christ, is that not what Jesus did for us? We, we, was, on, we were trying to go to hell. We wanted to, the Bible says we was on out, we're doing everything we wanted to do. The Lord was like, I ain't going to let it end that way for you. I'm coming to get you. That's the same call on our life. We go get people. We go get them in prayer first. 
You got people you know. How many of you, you know somebody need to be free? You got work to do. And when you start counting the weight of eternity, the weight of eternity, yes, that promotion is important. Yes, getting out of debt is important. But let's talk about the weight of eternity. The weight of eternity. Then it changes how you live. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husband man. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. That's the season that we're in right now. This is why we're having the kind of conversations we have. Because now God is like, everything about you that's good, let's keep it, cut it back some so it'll produce more. Everything about you that need to change, let's go ahead and cut it off. Let's cut that stuff off. Let's cut off that judgment. Let's cut off that unrighteous living. Let's cut out that double talk out both sides of your mouth. Let's cut out that. Let's increase that ability to walk in love. Let's increase that boldness. That's what the Lord does. He looks at us and he says, this is really good. He is like, a, he is like the people who come to do your yard. They come to do your yard. And they look at the stuff and they say, this needs to stay and this needs to go. And if this is going to be bigger and better and brighter next year, we got to cut it back now. So if you're going to be bigger and better and brighter next year, some things you got to let God cut back this year. It's some things in your life. Amen? Let's go to the next verse. It says, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So it says that he's going to use the word. We need to be looking for the word, looking for Jesus. You don't need to be studying the word, looking to beat up somebody. If you look for the scriptures just to beat up somebody, your name is Pharisee. Whatever your name is, put it to comma, Pharisee. That's who you are. That's what the Pharisees do. They look for the word to beat up people. It says the word is supposed to cleanse us. It means we're supposed to see ourselves and give God permission to do things in us. How many of you know that God, listen, God is not going to override your will. So if you don't give God permission to take away a desire, to take away something, to heal, to, it's not going to happen. He'll keep talking to you about it. How many of you know the Lord keep talking to you? How many of you had the Lord say a lot of stuff to you over and over again? Now, I mean, just stop two things here. One. Number one, why the Lord got to keep saying stuff to us? Because we hard-headed. Now, wait, listen to this, though, because I want you to see. So why does the Lord have to keep saying stuff to us? Because we hard-headed, excuse me, what, what else? We rebellious, we prideful, these things, right? So why you get so upset with people when they don't listen to you the first time? You give them advice. I mean, because it's things, it's people you've been trying to talk to, but the Lord been trying to talk to you longer than the people you've been trying to talk to. Some of you, every week, the Lord tell you quit cursing. Every week. Every week. Yeah, I, you can tell because the people looking away right now. Every week. Every week. He say you need to stop cursing. You need to stop cursing. You need to stop cursing like that's just Monday at 10 o'clock you need to stop cursing amen now how you go throw somebody away because they don't do the right thing after the fifth time the Lord told you five times some of the Lord told you some of y'all quit cussing this morning right <laughs> this is what purification looks like 
when the Lord begins to bring up these things, because here's what happens. Follow the trend. The Lord says, you're going to be blessed. This is your season. This is your time. And then he goes, uh-oh, before you go into your season any time, let's deal with this thing right here. Let's deal with why you don't have self-control. Let me deal with your money because you're asking me to increase you, but you be real selfish when I'm asking you to give something. Oh, we just want to shout. We want to shout and keep our stuff, but there ain't no power in that. Ain't no power in shouting and keeping your stuff. Amen. Let's go to the next verse. Come on. Y'all learned something today? It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I love this verse right here. You really ought to highlight this verse right here. Because this verse right here basically says, if you try to quit cursing or fornicating or being a God robber or being selfish or all them things that you're trying to do in your own strength, you can do nothing. So you have to say to the Lord, I need your help. And I'm willing to surrender to the process. And we real good about, Lord, I need your help. That whole second part right there. I need you to surrender to the process. Why? Because he says he's the vine and we're the branches. All of our strength and all of our life, all our ability to live in godly power comes from him. And if we don't allow him to do his work, then we are going to, it's so many Christians. Here's the way the illustration looks like. We talk a lot about in the body of Christ about how we're the children of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Say we are his children. But we are also soldiers in his army. Now, when everybody joined the army, they are private. How many of you know that if you was in the natural army, and 20 years later, you still a private? Some real wrong. Some real, real wrong. In the body of Christ, some of you still privates. You, you, you don't ever get to exercise authority over everything, over anything, because the Lord can't exercise authority over you. Listen, I want us to hurry up and change. This ain't my favorite preaching. My favorite preaching is about how we go run fast and go to the other thing. But the Bible says lay aside every weight. How many of you can acknowledge you got some weights, some things you need to let go of? The Bible says just because it's lawful doesn't mean it's expedient. Ooh, let's talk about that. Just because it's lawful, just because it won't send you to hell don't mean you need to do it. Not everything that is lawful is expedient. Some of you, you sitting in this room right now, you in relationships with people, you're doing things the Lord has told you to stop. Hear me. You should stop. You should stop. You're in situations right now, there are things that the Lord has told you to take your hand off of. You should take your hand off of it. Other people in here, there are things the Lord has told you to do. The Lord has told you how you ought to be living and how you ought to be doing. You should do it. You should do it. You should do it. Oh, I got so much I could say, but yeah. (laughs) Y'all ain't ready for all that this morning. I'm telling you, listen, you got to stop dabbling with sin. You got to stop playing with that stuff that the Lord is telling you not to touch. I'm not going to call anybody by name. I'm going to tell you, but listen here. Some of you, you're playing around recreational with drugs. The enemy want to use that to make you a straight-out addict. You need to let that stuff go. 
It's not about whether it's legal or not. It's about what is in your bloodline that would open you up to addiction. And for all of you who have addiction in your family, there are some things you ought not dabble with just because of the addiction. Because the enemy will use your, see the job of the enemy is to make you think you qualified to handle something you can't. That is the job of the enemy, to make you think you are qualified to handle something you can't. I love it. It is a deception. No, no, no. It's a deception. I love what he said. It's a deception because he makes you think you are an exception. Right, right. I, I, I'm, I'm, hear me. Hear me good. Those of you who are dabbling with things that you know that your family struggles with, you should quit playing with it. Let, ain't no kids in here. Let's just go all the way in. Those of you who have struggled with porn addictions, you're not watching porn, but you're watching a lot of good-looking people on Instagram and Facebook. You should stop. You should stop. You should stop. Those, some, uh-uh. You cannot manage a spirit of lust. Here's the list. Old people used to say this all the time. The goal of sin is always to take you further than you want it to go. You just wanted dinner. Now you got a baby. You, it's always the job of sin to take you further than you want it to go. That is the devil's job to take you further. A little dabbling don't hurt. A little dabbling don't hurt. No, 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 no. What we going to do is we're we not going to do anything. I'm just going to stay over here. Oh, okay. That, that, let, me tell you how to, let me tell you how the enemy set you up. That first time, that second time, you, you handle it like a champ. Like a champ. That fifth time, you like, I'm sorry, Lord. But now it's calling you. Man, I'm telling you, listen, I'm telling you, God want to use your life and the enemy wants to cut off your generation. God wants to use your life and the enemy wants to cut off your generation. And so you got to make a choice. Whether you, See, here's the thing that people don't understand. If you don't surrender to God, you surrender to something. Whoever you bow to is Lord. If coffee, if you got to have coffee before you can be friendly, coffee is your God. It's, it's the truth. Like, and, and, and the reality of it is, is that because we don't have these kind of conversations with people, what people end up with is all these addictions and all these crutches, and they don't even realize that they're giving them the place that the Holy Spirit should have in their life. If coffee is what makes you nice, coffee is your Lord. Because you ought to be to be nice. Like, we, you ought to be to be nice even if you fast, and we all not know you fasting. Your family hate when you fast. You screaming and hollering at everybody, waiting for a breakthrough. Breakthrough on you. Break on through. Breakthrough. Breakthrough. The Bible says, present yourself as a living sacrifice unto the Lord. Holy, which is your reasonable duty. Living holy ain't no righteous. I mean, living holy ain't A work. It's your reasonable service. That means it's C work. It means if you live holy, that's C work. You got a C for that. 
It ain't advanced. Holiness ain't an advanced class. It ain't, a, it ain't on the five-point scale. It's just good old-fashioned sea work. It's the least you could do. And when the Lord talked to you about something, you could do it. Because here's what you need to understand. Here's the connection I'm trying to make for you. The only time the Lord deals with you, the only reason the Lord deals with any of us about sin is because the job of sin and weights and distractions is to keep us from destiny. That's the only reason. You messing around with somebody right now because you don't want to be by yourself, but that person isn't your spouse. So you're going to mess around with them and miss your spouse. You got to learn how to obey God. You got to learn how to obey God. Now I want to give you these steps for consecration because consecration is important because that's really what, let's define what consecration is. Consecration is just the pulling away from to pull to something. Listen, all you got to do is check yourself. It's like I asked y'all the other week. I said, those of you who cowboy fans, if the Lord told you no cowboys this whole season, could you do it? If you could do it, then you in the right place. If you can't do it, you ought to practice. Because you ought not let anything be more exalted in your life than the Lord. Not a TV show. Not your mama. If the Lord tell you to go left and your mama tell you to go right, if you go right, your mama, your God. That's why Jesus said, he says, if you love, he said, you should, he's, he's making a comparison. He says, love me, hate your mother, father, brother, and sister. He's not really saying hate. He says that if you have to create a space, like who should always have number one priority in your life? Who should always be at the top? It should be God. Because in reality, some of you have gotten yourself in situations trying to please people in your family that if you had just obeyed God, it'd be worked out by now. Amen, amen, all right now. It'd been worked out by now if you'd have just done it the Lord's way. It's the thing with husbands and wives. The Lord is giving you a clear instruction. Obey the Lord. Let the Lord deal with your spouse. You obey the Lord because if you obey the Lord, the Lord can work. So you know, you know there's an area. So, for example, you know your spouse, you know your sister, you know somebody's in disobedience, but you won't obey the Lord. Well, now you're both in disobedience, so where's the breakthrough coming from? All right. Are you guys understand what I'm saying? Like, this is for real. Because the job of the enemy is to get you distracted. The job of the enemy is to have you weighted down with people's opinions and low self-esteem that comes from identifying and fooling around with people you never had no business messing with. If you hadn't messed with them, you wouldn't have low self-esteem. Because they wouldn't have never left you. Because you wouldn't have never been with them. Because you would have said No. I talk to Taylor and her friends about this all the time. I'm like, man, it's real, real simple. Listen, you ain't got to date nobody no five years to find out whether they want or not. It really don't. It don't take all that long. You ain't date nobody, date nobody no five years. When they talking to you, this is this what I say to Tay. When they talking to you and you feel the tingling, because the tingling is the first place that you could get in trouble right now. I'm trying to help you for real. The tingling. Everybody know what a tingle is. If you don't feel the tingly, you ain't got to worry. You're going to be all right. But if you feel the tingly, the tingly, everybody know what the tingly is. If you feel the tingly, you need to ask the Lord, is this a person I should fool with? When the Lord say no, here's what people do. The Lord say, no, you shouldn't date them. The Lord say, no, you shouldn't date them. You say, well, he didn't say I couldn't be their friend. 
I be their friend. I be their friend. It's okay if we just go to Chili's. It's okay if we just go bowling. We just go go to the movies. help you I'm trying to help you because you know what if people do that they don't if people if people listen to the Lord you don't have to spend so much time crying at the altar you don't have to spend so much time crying at the altar you can almost tell when, when why somebody crying at the altar you like because sometimes there's a cry like you know lord i really want you to do something in my life yes that's different it's like i can't believe i got caught up like that you ought to make a decision in your life it ain't gonna be no more altar bedroom flow moments it's like i can't believe i got caught up like that amen whoo I want to talk about these selves of consecration, but I feel like i have some more stuff i need to talk about in your life right here i mean i'm just you this <laughs> <laughs> okay all right I'll say that all right uh, so some of you got listen hear me hear me very carefully I am not I'm not I, I believe that men and women ought to be able to be friends I believe that it is a, it's a crazy situation to say that men and women can't be friends. I think they came from a, a, a position of people not having self-control. And so it's like, I mean, the reality of it is, is that Pastor Edwin and I pastor together. And if Searching need to talk to me, it is stupid for him to call Pastor Edwin to ask to talk to me when I got my own cell phone. That's just dumb. We shouldn't live like that. Um, you, you ought to be able to control yourself with, around people. But, and I, I think what's at, here's what's insulting to me. If the rule is that men and women cannot be friends for what might happen, then what? it's an indictment of the lack of self-control on both men and women. And it's also insulting to believe that everybody who's talking to your significant other want them. I mean, it's just a lot. You're thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to. Everybody don't want them, okay? So now with I put that clarification out there, there are some people that you have to close the door on because of what they create. Like if you married to Joe and John was your first boyfriend and then when things ain't working with Joe, you start to think about John, you should go ahead and block John today on social media. Don't be able to see John no more because you'll be over there looking at John pictures or Susan, whoever it is, fill in who name, every name you need to think. I'm trying to get you to understand though, you have to learn how to close the door on things that will get you caught up I'm just going to help you. Let's say, because we've established the tingly, right? This for married people and for people who are trying to live right. If you ain't trying to live right, keep doing what you're doing. All right. Um, let's say you walk into, you leave here today, you're not with your spouse, you ain't with the, with the Lord, you left him here. I'm not sure what happened. I'm not sure what happened. But, you know, you ain't just feeling, you know, I mean, you know how the saints do. I mean, you can't know. You know, some of y'all take y'all religion off, so I'm just saying, you know, I'm, I'm just saying. You walk into a restaurant over here, and you connect eyes with somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about that, because you connect eyes with somebody, and it's like, hey, you connect eyes with somebody, and it's like, hey, right. Let me tell you what you should do if that happened to you. If they're not your significant other, you should turn around, go find you another restaurant to eat at that day. That's what Joseph did. 
That's what Joseph did. See, the enemy, listen, the enemy knows what you like. He tempts you with what you like. With what you like. So you got right. He can't tempt you no other way. If you like tall, dark, and handsome, he don't bring light and rain. I told y'all that last week. He bring what tempts you. If you like long, flowing hair, he don't bring short hair to come get you because you ain't moved by that. So you got to know your own struggles so you will know how the enemy comes to get you. It ain't just about sexual sin. If you are a person who easily offended, he knows you easily offended. So he send offense all day long so you can always be mad about something. If you're vulnerable, he brings that. What he comes with, what's in you. That's why we let God prune us so that after a while when he come, ain't nothing in us. The goal is to let God prune you that whether it's tall, dark, or handsome, short with good hair, whether it's long and lanky, whatever it is, none of these things move me because I'm going to obey the Lord. Does that make sense? And you cannot think that more highly of yourself than you ought to. You never outgrow needing to submit to the Lord. Submission is not just for babies. It is for everybody. The Bible says even Jesus submitted. Amen. I'm going to give you these steps. Here we go. Let's go. Number one, consecration is about the pulling away from and the pulling to thing. It's real simple. All you got to do, ask the Lord right now. Lord, what you want me to give up in my life? It ain't hard to hear God. He tell you real quick, tell you most stuff. You thought he gonna tell you four things, he tell you twelve. You like, can we just start at the top of the list? <laughs> can we start at the top? So, Lord, what do you need me to pull away from in this season? And understand that seasons change. There can be seasons in your life where the Lord tells you not to listen to R and B. It don't mean it's a forever season. There could be seasons in your life where the Lord tell you not to watch your favorite store, store um, show. It's not a forever season. Sometimes the Lord is trying to get your attention to grow something up in you to deal with something. And you're fighting the problem. See, God already, knows, God already knows what's coming for you, good and bad, in 2016. We're in this season now. These last three months, they're about preparation and surrender. Preparation and surrender. Lord, where are we going? What do I need to surrender? Because there are a lot of people who fall because they don't allow God to develop their character. And when the door gets open, wide open, see, everywhere you go, there you are. So, okay. Everywhere you go, there you are. So if you are, if you, when, when, you, when it's cheap liquor, you a wino. Okay. So like, like if, you, if, you, if, if you drink Mad Dog 2020, wow. Mad Dog. If you drink Mad Dog when all you have is $4, then when you get more money, you just go to Apple Cream. Because whatever's in you, it's what's in you. It's like when you don't have a lot of money, you drink cheap Sam's water. And when you have more water, you drink the boss water because you know what I'm saying? Because what's in you is going to be what's come out of you. You understand? So you got to deal with what's in you. If you got a lustful eye when you're around not pretty girls, then you got a lustful eye when you're around pretty girls. You pick the prettiest one out of the ugly ones when you got on the low level, and you pick the prettiest out of the... 
present an opportunity that's going to compete with your family, compete with your relationship with God, because you love money. So we want to let, I'm not even giving y'all these steps today. I'm, we go pray and go home. I ain't giving these steps. I'm tr- listen, we want to position ourselves so that there's nothing left in us. You got to know your own propensity. Here's the reality. My father, without question, was probably one of the most prolific liars I have ever met in my life. Prolific. You will watch him do something, look at him lie, and forget that you saw him do it. I mean, extreme, I mean, you're like, you question yourself. you like, uh, maybe he didn't do that. Now, I'm trying to help you here. That is a curse of iniquity. He couldn't have become prolific if he was the first generation of liar. He came from a generation of liars. I have to guard myself because, see, the other thing is that if you're a good liar, you're also a good manipulator. If you're a good liar, you're a good manipulator because the reality of it is that, is that the truth of it is, is that most people are real easy to read anyway. Most people, if, 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 if you got that gift, it, people real easy to read. And, you, and, and, and really, girls, that's how you get sucked in. They know what you want to hear them say because they've heard you. They, they, they know what you want to hear them say. And so they say it because that's what you're hungry for. And so what I have to, so what I I'll have to always guard against it's the reason. So what on the here's the thing. So these giftings, this discernment that my father had about people could have been used for good. One really how he tried to use it. Use it for evil. And so the same gifting operates in me. It's the reason that I'm very very careful about what I say to people based on what I perceive about them. Because I always want to make sure that my heart is pure because I understand that what's naturally working in me is the ability to get you to do what I want you to do. You got to know yourself like that. In order to know yourself like that, you got to study yourself and you got to study what you came from. You got to know what you came from. Who are, you know, like, like for example, let's say, um, let's say you came from, um, <laughs> no, no. Let's say you came from a family, ladies, and your grandmother used guilt to get people to do what she wanted them to do. It's naturally in you. Because that's what iniquity does. It's naturally in you. Number one, it's in you. Number two, you grew up watching it. So in order not to become a person who guilts people, you have to give that thing to the Lord. And the moment that you see you getting ready to try to make somebody do something to you because they feel bad, then you got to be like, we ain't carrying it. It's interesting because you can watch people. You can stay like the reality of it is, is that all my siblings, all of them, 
whether they knew my father or not. Like, all can lie. Like, everybody can't lie. Like, Jordan can't lie. Praise the Lord. Like, you tell something to Jordan, and Jordan say, and then you go, did you do it? She go, uh-uh, I didn't do it. But if you, if you, anybody can admit you come from lying, you know how to lie. Yeah, so if you know how to lie, listen, baby, it don't matter what people say. You, you don't even flinch. You don't even flinch. I saw you over there. No, you didn't. You didn't see me. I don't even know why you think you saw. Did you get your last eye exam? Because I don't know why you thought you saw me. I didn't even see that. And then people who are really good at lying, they bring other people in. They be like, Kenosha, if she asked you if you saw me, be like, no, that wasn't me. You got to know that about yourself. If you come from an angry family, if you come from a family that's manipulative, if you come from whatever it is, you got to know that. And then you got to take that thing to the Lord. And you got to say, based on what I can see in my bloodline, this is who I could be. I don't want to be that. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. I want that stuff broken off of my life. Amen. Come on, let's just pray and go. <laughs> is this making sense to you guys? This is how people get free. And if you come from gifts of oration and people who in the arts and all that stuff, ain't nothing wrong with it, but you got to understand what you had the ability to do with that. You got to make sure you use it for good and not evil. I tell my kids this all the time, use your superpowers for good. Use your superpowers for good. Use superpowers to bring freedom to people, not to oppress people. Some of you got relationships in your family, they hard for you to deal with because now you can see the manipulation. You be like, what you're not finna do is manipulate me. That's why we go back to that circle about praying for people, believing for their breakthrough, right? Because it could be you. Chronic sickness, family line. Family line. It just gets worse. And here's the thing you need to understand because the truth of it is, is that we think you can control a lot of things. You can control a lot of things because you eat right and rest. But you cannot stop what's in the bloodline as a curse because you eat right. Because I have known people who are at a perfect weight and they still got high blood pressure. So we want to give the Lord freedom to break anything off of us that shouldn't be. And is that hard sometimes? Yes, because if anger is how you protected yourself, if you scared it, you don't want to give up anger. Like, remember when we talked about stubbornness last week? Everybody stood up, 85% of the church stood up. How many of you have worked on not being stubborn this week? Only two people. We go pray again for the, the spirit of stubbornness to be broken off your life. So you got to let God get you free. And all freedom is in two claps you go change. Like sometimes that stuff is deeply rooted in us because of where we come from. Where we come from. And so you got to ask the Lord to break that off your life because here's the good part. You know what? Just like generational curses can be passed down, generational blessings can be passed down. 
So you create a strong, healthy marriage, and then it's your kid's expectation that they have a strong, healthy marriage. And then before you know it, that's why you see sometimes people, and they'll be like, our grandparents been married for 56 years. Our parents been married for 30 years. All their siblings been married. It's generational blessing. Our goal is to get out of the generational cursing so all our family has to embrace and to give and receive is what? Generational blessings. Amen? Amen.